Welcome to the podcast series, Small Business Survival Conversations. Through our weekly conversations, we hope to provide you with strategies and insights, knowledge and expertise to enlighten you as you work to build and grow your business. Here are your hosts, Anna Steinfest and Dr. Michael Troyer. Welcome, everyone, to Small Business Survival Conversations. I'm here today with Anna Steinfest. Hi, Anna. Hello, everyone. And we have a new member of our conversation. His name is John Opichka, and John is a successful business person and a colleague of ours, a friendship for a long time. Welcome, John. Oh, thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for having me. And we have a special topic today. Uh, we've all had experiences with uh, firms we know that have had a cyber breach, a breakdown of their cybersecurity. This is a little longer topic, and we have three of us talking about it today. So we just want to... Uh, in- welcome you to put this on pause if it goes a little long today normally we do 15 minutes this might be easily 25 to 30 minutes because it's such an important topic pause us come back a a bit later to finish finish off the discussion but here we go the topic is a plan for a cyber breach and what i read is that it isn't whether you're going to have one it's when you're going to have one they are almost inevitable according to many authorities so Number one, what ought we to do? I throw that out to my colleagues. What do I know? Well, Michael, I just wanted to start also adding to the importance of uh, cyber security for small businesses. I know that some of you listening to us may be thinking this does not apply to us. No, it does. It doesn't matter how big is your company. Even if it's a one-person company, you should consider cybersecurity as a part of your overall strategy. There are people out there who want to take money from you, and they really don't care about your size. If you're out there as a business, you represent money that they can take, demand. So I propose that if you've got protocols you use, if you've got or if you if you don't have protocols to, to help you protect your security, if you don't have policies for employees to follow, if you don't have procedures, you put yourself at risk. I, I remember, and here we go, eight years ago, working with an auto dealership, and they were going through the thinking process. Our sales managers have all this information on their desk, and it has personal identifiable information. Do we need to tell them to put that as in a drawer when they go off to talk to the sales manager and before they come back to work on a price? And the answer was absolutely. But how do we teach these people to do that? That was the beginning of worrying about a cyber breach. Somebody walks by and steals a social security number, whatever it might be. So that's why we're here. So you're right on it. You need to have a a cyber security plan first. Go ahead, John. I I 100% agree. And and going off of what you said, Michael, is, you know, eight years ago, they have the paper, they put it down and say, should I put this on my desk? With our electronic medical records, with our with our different businesses, we have to have policies in place in advance to honest point, because what happens is now is you have developers that have a, the process should be that their development, whatever they worked on when before they leave, gets locked up. A lot of times what happens if you don't have the policies in place, you put that on your laptop. We all know if that information is on your laptop, that's going to go out 
outside of your company. And that's where things begin. So yes, policies, procedures in advance, definitely. And you know, now instead of the paper, we've got to make sure that we lock up the information. There's maybe the first action you're making me think, John, in terms of cybersecurity and prevention, is that when you go home at night, if you've got a thumb drive on which you've been putting your files, take that off your computer, lock it up somewhere else or take it home. Don't leave it in the computer because that's all available to anybody who gets in during the night. And we know lots of laptops get hacked from afar at nighttime when people have left themselves on the internet and expose all that data. So, so yeah. Saying that, Michael, I mean, first of all, you have to evaluate which are the channels the cybersecurity crooks can get to your information. So it is very, very important to make sure that you evaluate the risk. Yes. And and you do some things to protect yourself from that risk. But I th think of all the ways this happens, a, a, a denial of service. So, suddenly, people can't get to your customer service account or they can't reach in and get something they've purchased from you. They can't get it online because they can't get through. That's a common ploy. Even simple uh, website. I was notified by my web hosting person who's uh, telling me that, you know, my site was trying to be hacked. Exactly what you said, Michael. So it doesn't matter. It's, it's uh, they're out there and they're constantly, constantly are trying to disrupt your business. I, all I think the time. So I, I agree with that. They are constantly, and it's not just the big businesses. And a lot of times I think people believe, no, it's not going to happen to me. I'm just a very small business. You know, I just have this very small uh, family owned business. They're not going to go after me. And, and you're wrong. They will, because it's easier. They'll go after the low hanging fruit where the people that don't have the processes in place are the first ones because they will get money back from you. You know, I was uh, reading this article um, just in Wisconsin itself is uh, there are a lot of the different, let's call them the bad guys that are looking at a lot of times at the, in the healthcare realm, dentist's office, small practices, because it's very easy to get into them. And once they do, they can dislodge and create a lot of different problems. And we're not looking at just the hospitals. We're looking at small practices. Yep. Think, you know, 10 small businesses each charge $10,000 to get their data back or one big one, which is more difficult to break in and ask for $100,000. It's easier to go after the 10 because they're so vulnerable, as you're saying. I would propose that the first thing, listeners, that you want to do is sit down with your with however many folks you have in the office and list all of the different ways your business could be broken into from a cyber standpoint. So we've mentioned denial of service, the hijacking of, of your data, where, where ransom is requested, uh, phishing attacks, trying to get into your, your database and uh, steal information of, of your customers. Just think of all those different ways that they can come at you. That's the first list you have to have so that you know what you're trying to prevent someone getting into your business through. You're on the internet, don't leave it on at night. And with That's the evaluation, Michael, I wanted to throw out there for our listeners in the state of Wisconsin, me including, I was able to obtain a grant 
from the state where they helped me pay outside company who came and they evaluate my total cybersecurity plans and where I'm vulnerable. So if you're in a different state, check with your state department, because right now my understanding is the federal government has deployed dollars to help small businesses evaluate the cybersecurity because they understand how vulnerable small businesses are. That's wonderful to know. That's really valuable information. So wherever you are, look to see if the government isn't already providing you some support. All right. Let's say we've evaluated all those possible risks. We've done that first step, but that's only the first step. And we hope that you've already got a a security plan. You've taught your employees how to protect your security as best you can get. And you're going to always have to need with an expert, work with an expert on that. What about the, the issue of communication? Let's say you've had a breach. Uh, you've been shut down in some fashion. The argument is you ought to have a communication plan to deal with that. What should it have in it? You do need a communication. And that communication is not only with your clients, uh, but the communication is with your banks and everybody else associated with your company. So the communication is with everyone. And I know that a, a lot of times if there is a hack on some of the larger companies, the FBA, uh, FBI has to be involved too. But you're in a small business. The main thing is communicating to your point with everyone. And, and if we get very, very specific about that, I'd start with employees. They're going to get, when they hear, when the rumor spreads that something's happened in the main office, something uh, serious, they need to understand you know, what should be their concern. What do they need to do, to do next? Are their jobs at risk? Uh, is this company going to collapse? Uh, there's all kinds of things that can cause employees to worry, and you need to address that fairly quickly because that's the customer face that's going to be seen. You know, on that point, too, I think you... You know, definitely, let's say you've got a small family business is make sure you come up with a game plan and who's going to disseminate that information, what's going to be said. At that point, you need to make sure that the, the leadership team is locked arm in arm and making sure that you're saying the same things and and address what's going to be done, not just what happened and how it happened, but what you're doing to to remedy the situation the next time. And I'd like to add one more thing. There ought to be just one person who speaks to that public and says, this is what's happened and this is what we're doing. What we don't need is two interpretations or three because we get three voices speaking and we see that all the time. So designate one person and they have the job of reassuring the customers, the public, the bank, whomever. I'd, I'd, I'd put that on the role of one person and practice it in advance. We'll, co- we'll come back to that later on. But that communication is essential. My advice also is to write it down as mm-hmm. a policy. We've talked about all these things. You have to write it down because at that point, when you're hit, you go into a panic mode. And John, I really love what you said. And Michael, you too, in the policy book, you just write down, this is this, this, other steps we will follow if we get hit one two three four and this is the person and not naming them because sometimes if you have more employees the person may change but just which position from your employees should be the face 
who should communicate because it's it's like I used to be well, I used to work in the banking industry, <laughs> recovering banker. So you know we have procedures, and every bank has procedures. If we are hit by robber, it's pretty much the same because yeah. this is your cyber robber here. We're talking about and trying to prevent you from and and you're in a panic mode. Trust me, you're in a panic mode because you cannot function. Customers cannot get to your online store to you and you're losing money and on the top of it you don't know what to do or you are uh, they're asking you for ransom so the best part is like you wrote it down and you go step by step number one i will do this number two i will do this so and you just follow the steps and that pre-planning as you're describing it on to me is so important because there's something we call unintended consequences we either say too much and we create un- unnecessary fear, or we haven't cr- communicated enough, and we create unplanned fear. So we have to figure out what's the balance between how much we tell and how we phrase it. And that you can't do that off the top of your head. You have to, as you said, lay it out in, in advance in a written document that says, this is this is how we're going to manage this. Well, you know, like you said, this is a topic that, that can get really big. We're so right here. I, I what about a recovery plan? Let's say okay, it, it's it's we've had a breach. Un has gone forward and and told the the world that that we've had a breach and we're taking steps to be sure none of our customer information is stolen. We're making sure that our our bank and our accountant and others know that we're we're putting in fresh security practices. But what else needs to go into what one would call a recovery plan? How do we recover from this mess that we're in? You know, I think one of the things you have to know what information was leaked out. So it depends on your business. You know, is it just their names and their last name? Is it social security number? Is it their phone numbers? So that's one of the first things you have to understand is what is the information that that got out there? And if it, for example, it was personal, personal, uh, PII, personal identifiable information. There we go. Uh, that, that tells us we've got to contact the government in whatever places we go. But we ought to have those numbers in on his written document that says, these are the people you got to call if personal information has been stolen because you've got a compliance issue right away. So that's one step in that recovery, making sure we've made those contacts. What if my data has been stolen? What if I, I have no data? They I have to pay the money before they'll let me get to my data. And I run off of data, let's say, what am I going to do? You should contact FBI, depends. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the local police department, let them know and they can guide you. Uh, they can guide you to understand that these are the people that you need to get in place to, to help with this. And one of the thoughts I had was, let's say our, our we've got a complex set of machinery in our manufacturing plant. It's all linked together. And suddenly it's locked down because the data has been locked away from us. I would want to have another system of data, maybe off-site, that is separate from my computers in the business that I can go to very quickly and bring that back in and bypass to some degree. And I may not be able to bypass, but at least get an expert to tell me whether I can use that that alternative or redundant system to get my operation back up and running. I'm that's that's, that's coming from somebody who's not experienced in cybersecurity, so I'm throwing that out as an idea. I don't know if it would work. I think, Michael, you're talking about prevention, right? Yes. 
Well, yeah. I mean, prevention, like in our company right now, we moved all the data into the cloud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, we're with Microsoft <laughs> Cloud right now. So uh, we know that and we understand that, you know, Microsoft, my understanding is have this five servers. So if one the, one of the servers is hacked, we can start operating from another server. So the prevention is extremely important for for you, and especially the data, like you said, maybe operating from one cloud and just make sure for small businesses to check some this cloud availability right now, because a lot of the cloud services, they offer a lot of encryption, several servers, storage of information compared to if you have your server and you are doing it from your own server. So, you know, it has pros and cons. But let's say here we sit today. Let's say it's happened to us. Does anybody besides Anna know where which which cloud system to go through through Microsoft to get the data we need to get back up and running so that nobody even knows we've we've had a hiccup or a bad cyber breach? That is what you're saying in that written document for recovery is we need maybe you and one other person needs to know how that's stored, what are the passwords, how do we get to it? Because the quicker we can get up and running the less money we're going to lose. So there's what, what what strikes me about all of this too, that's kind of intriguing. None of us have been through this, thank goodness. But that means we also haven't practiced what might happen if we went through this. And so as we struggle to think of answers today, it's because we haven't practiced something that everybody tells us is coming our way. And I haven't, I haven't practiced it. I've Until we put this piece together, I hadn't thought a whole lot about it. I'm beginning to get scared. Not scared, but I'm going to say, I need to plan better. This is another one of those crisis plans, right? Exactly. It always gets put off to the side. But as you're hearing more and more about the cyber breaches that are going on, and and the bad guys are getting better and better at this, it has now been, I think for most companies right now, it's a priority. It's a high priority to get these the different steps in place, your processes written down. Yes. But, but, but John, I, I'm running this business on a shoestring and, and you just asked for a pay increase. And, and now you're asking me to spend money on this thing called cybersecurity that I don't even know anything about. Why would I do that? I want to keep you in, in place. Right. I You know, I just ask a lot. Of course, I want to raise and all that. But if but if somebody steals our security, you're not going to be able to give out raises. And unfortunately, there's a lot of companies uh, recently that, uh, I mean, they basically lose their company mm-hmm. um, on something like this. So so it is a priority. And yes, you want to get, you want to give out the raises. Everybody wants something. Everybody's got their hand out. Yeah. And, and your pockets are empty. But as, as you read and you start hearing more and more about this, uh, a lot of this is closer to home. It's not going to just happen to somebody else. It will happen to you. It's a, as you said earlier in the beginning, it's just a matter of when. And not only that, but right now there is a lot of like a general contractor. So if you do any work with the government or you're a sub, sub, sub contractor of a entity that works with the government, they require you to have in place cybersecurity plan. What will happen? This is requirement. So I'm seeing this like often. So don't think that even if you're the last link of the whole job, 
production, you still need to provide this cybersecurity. So that's why we are trying to give you some tools and tips how to create a cybersecurity plan and what to watch and what to prevent, uh, what to build to make sure that you're successful because you can lose work because you don't have cybersecurity plans in place also. And I think of how much more powerful when you're dealing with that government energy and entity that's going to work with you, you're, you're bidding to be a vendor and they say, show us your cybersecurity plan. Think of the power you have. If you also have a cyber rec recovery plan, if you've really thought through the different ways that they can come after you and, and, and how you're going to proceed from there. One of the things I, and I'm, I'm back to my fun with John and, and Anna here in terms of, well, why would I spend money on this thing? I don't even understand this technology. Why am I going to invest in protecting it? But evaluate the costs that, that you're facing. Uh, if you're breached from a cybersecurity standpoint, you might have to pay a ransom. You, you have to recover essential systems and restore lost data. And then there's all the indirect costs, reputation, lost business income, lost customers, a whole disruption perhaps of communications within your firm and between you and other firms, market disruption, compliance violence, all those things are costs. Is it really not worth investing to prevent those costs? That's part of the message of today too. I, my, my colleagues here know that I'm part of a healthcare company. It suffered a major breach. I watched its employees handwrite all the information that normally would have been on the screen. It was a period of time that they were doing this. And I still don't know exactly what happened. A little bit was in the papers, but not much. I don't know the cause. One of the messages I also want to share then is that when you say nothing, we all assume the worst. So you need to say something about what, what went on to the public. That's that that communication plan for the public. When you say nothing, we're going to assume, whoa, boy, did, did they pay a billion dollars in ransom and et cetera, et cetera, which may not be true at all. I know a lot of times when there's a breach, you also, part of that cost is you have to pay for monitoring system to your clients. You have to at least offer it to them. And I don't know if that's two, three, five years, but you have to offer a monitoring plan for all of your clients. That's a big cost. So one of the things, you know, on that point, as I'm thinking about it, is one of the things that part of the planning is your insurance. When you talk to your insurance carrier, make sure that you have cybersecurity in there. Mm -hmm. Think of the cash flow implications. If if somehow your their ability to pay you and may they, maybe they pay you through technology, which means online, suddenly they can't pay you. And they're not used to running over to you with a check by hand. Now your cash flow is impacted. So we're touching on a lot of the pieces that people need to think about, both in terms of planning ahead of time, prevention, and if it happens to you, what are you going to do to recover from it? We really hope that we don't confuse you more, but all these things, even if you have to listen to this episode again, just listen to it and write down some of the tips we, we discussed today, because I think that will give you better view of how you will put your cybersecurity. So Michael, can you sum for us All right. our episode, if you can? <laughs> One is that you need to evaluate the potential risks. So build a list of all the things, the ways in which you can be breached. Make a list of all the things you're trying to protect. Some of the 
authors today are calling it the crown jewels, the most important intellectual property, perhaps, or systems that you have that you need to protect. How are you going to communicate to critical people, the experts from the outside that you work with, the PR firm, the bank, uh, how are you going to communicate inside to your employees so that fear doesn't take over and, and simply complicate things? What's your recovery plan? If it happens, what are, you, what are the things, the first five steps you're going to take to begin to undo what's just happened? And something we didn't talk about that I'm going to throw out there is you need to practice with your people if this were to happen. So if there's a breach, and you could set this up as a simulation and once every month run a different simulation. This time we've been fished. The next time we've been, uh, our data has been stolen and we're being asked for a ransom. Practice, practice, practice. What does each person have to do to manage that recovery process? And finally, balance it off. What does it cost to do what we're talking about today against suffering that breach and not having anything in place? There's our summary, sort of, so to speak. Nicely done. We hope this is this has helped all of you to think a bit more about the risks that, that we face with this new world we're in. And come back and join us for some more of small business survival conversations. That's what we're about. We want you to survive. You've been listening to the Small Business Survival Conversation podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. In the meantime, hook up with us on our Facebook group at Small Business Survival Tools and Tips. Till next time, thank you for listening. 